list now. Imagine that, right? And so uh, everybody in, in the family, uh, except me, has an Amazon list. Uh, but, but they're constantly asking, you know, send me your list. What's on your list? Well, at the top of our list must be Jesus, folks. He must be our greatest desire. He must be our greatest want, you know. And, and, and so what I want to do and what I want us to see in this series is this. You can't love God until He becomes personal to you, okay? You can't love God just because you believe the story. A lot of people today are saying, I love God, but they don't have a personal relationship with Him. How can you love someone that you're not intimate with? Right? And so my desire, my prayer for us as the body of Christ and as the church this year is that He will become more personal to us as He has ever been. Uh, in our lives until we see and understand what Jesus did for us we will never be personally intimate with him uh, in our lives feeling about him like you would your best friend feeling about Jesus the way you would uh, your spouse or, or or your children turning to him first with every need right trusting him each and every day in every moment every step Going through every day. Can I just ask you uh, this morning, do you approach every day trusting Jesus? Do, do you trust Him with every situation? Do you go to Him first for counsel? Do you go to Him first with every need that you may have in your lives? Can I tell you this morning, God is for you. And not only is He for you, but He is with you. Huh? Shouldn't that change the way we approach life? Shouldn't that uh, change the way that we approach our challenges and our circumstances and our situation? And, and this morning, I want to just kind of introduce this uh, series uh, to you by looking at a passage of Scripture that probably doesn't get used much around Christmas. And, and we'll, I promise we'll get around to Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus story starting next week. But this week, I want to look at this passage of Scripture from the book of Colossians that the Apostle Paul wrote. We sang a really old hymn this morning. I don't know if y'all even understand who Charles Wesley is, but he's an old dude dead, all right? That's an old, old hymn. And so the context of this passage of Scripture that we're looking at here today is basically we're looking at an old, old hymn. Paul, scholars tell us that what Paul is doing here uh, in this passage is he's actually quoting a song that would have been very familiar that would have been sang commonly in the church back in uh, the, the early church. But I believe that it gives us a very clear picture this morning of who Jesus is. But at the end of it, Paul brings it all back around to this emphasis and this point not only of who Jesus is, but who Jesus is to you and who Jesus is uh, for us. And, and so uh, this morning, I, I want you to see it uh, because uh, I, I want you to see that what happened at Christmas, what happened through the birth of Jesus Christ was His personal pursuit of you. His personal pursuit to have a relationship with you personally and individually. And that was his desire and that was his plan. And that's what Christmas is all about. That's what the birth of Jesus uh, was all about. So let's pick it up this morning starting in verse 15. 
where Paul gives us, I believe, one of the clearest descriptions of who Jesus Christ is. And in short, it's this. Jesus is God. Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15, simply says this. Jesus, the Son, is the image of the invisible God. And I want to I start with the end of that statement there. That God is invisible. All right, yes, He's invisible. Human eyes can't see Him. We can't physically touch Him. If you want to touch the body of God, then reach over and touch the person sitting next to you because we are the body of Christ. All right? So God, yes, is invisible. Human eyes can't see Him. So how can He be known? Well, don't miss this. He can be known through Jesus who did come and was physical. Jesus is the exact representation of God. All that God is, Jesus is. All right, and this comes back to this belief and this teaching of the Scripture and what we know about God is this. God is a trinity, right? The three in one, the one in three, which means this. He exists in three forms. He exists in three persons, and it's not like a a God pie. I think sometimes we kind of get it confused because it's hard to understand and it's hard to explain. But it's not like this God pie where there are three equal pieces to the pie. But instead, it's all that, right? It's all in one. Each are the fullness of God. Each one are the fullness of God. One God in three persons. And if you skip down, we're going to see in verse 19 here in just a little bit, Paul continues, For God was pleased to have His fullness dwell in Him. Right? Jesus was God. And all that God is, Jesus is. And He came to be with us. He came to be with you. Verse 15 continues. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. And this is basically speaking to His position as the Godhead, the three in one, right? For in Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. All things have been created. Don't miss this. Through Him and for Him. Do you believe that you were created? All of creation was created through Him and what? For Him. Don't miss this. All of creation, the heavens and all of the earth, all of creation was created to declare the glory of of God. You were created. Why? To bring glory to God. That's why you were created, to declare the glory of His goodness, to declare the glory of God. Verse 17 says, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. All right, now I don't always interpret Scripture the way that a lot of scholars do, but I tell you, My translation of that right there is this. Scientists and doctors still don't understand the wonders of the human body in the universe. (laughs) They still don't. Only God could do these things. Only God could put your body together the way that He formed your body and allow it to work and function the way that it does. You ever think about just how the human body works and all the uh, uh, details of that? I mean, good grief. 
In Him all things hold together. God's hand was at the heart of creation. He is the creator. Folks, it wasn't some big boom that created us to live and breathe and act the way we do. He created us. His hand was in that at the heart of creation. And folks, don't miss this. It's in you. Huh? The heart of creation. Well, that's your heart. It's in, in you. And if he's not at the center of you, he says here, he holds all things together. If you're not in right relationship with Christ, then all things will fall apart. If you find your, your, your life in, in constantly in a wreck and in chaos and disarray, maybe you ought to look at this a little closer because he holds all things together, right? This is who Jesus is, and he is with you. If he's not at the center of you, expect things to fall apart because he's the one that holds things together. He is with you. Verse 18, he is the head of the body. He's the head of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Verse 19, For God was pleased to have all of His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to do what? Don't miss this. This is important to you. To reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Can I just ask you this morning, has any other king done that for you? Has any other government done that for you? Has have any of your political parties done this for you? Huh? No. But here's the best news ever, right? Paul says in verse 21, once you, he's talking to you specifically here, once you were alienated from God. Some of you still are. Unfortunately, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now, <laughs> but now, what has the Savior done? Jesus, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you, of all people, holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. When you're in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, no one can accuse you anymore. Right? That's who He is. That's what He does. We were the criminals, and Jesus was the one who was prosecuted. We were the criminals, and Jesus was the one who was convicted. And He was the one who took our punishment in our place. And don't miss what Paul is saying here. This is my Jesus. This is your Jesus if you've accepted Him. He is with you. And you know, we sang earlier about being in awe. And I wanted to look around and just see how many people were actually in awe of who Jesus is and what He has done uh, in their lives. Uh, you know, I, I, don't miss what Paul is saying here. This is our personal Savior. This is our personal relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And folks, what I want for every single one of us as, as we go through this Christmas season, I want you to sit stunned in awe. I want us to be in awe of who Jesus is, why He came, and what He's done for you. Are you in awe of Him today? 
do we sit stunned in the awe that a king of kings would come and do what he has done for you and for me? And he is with us. And I, I want you to understand this story that we go through year after year after year. We can all tell the story from heart. Right? We all probably haven't memorized. We've done our Christmas lines and Christmas programs. Folks, this isn't just a history story. This isn't just a, 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 just a history lesson. Right? This is my story. This is your story. It's our story. And when we understand that the Bible isn't just a history book or a history lesson and that He is actually with us, he is actually with you, then all of your life will flow out of that. All of your life will flow out of who He is and who you are in and through Him as a child of God and the King of Kings. Folks, He is Emmanuel. God with us. He is God with you. Think about it. He came... As the Son of God, He also came as the Son of Man. Who else has pulled that off? As the Son of God, He could do all kinds of amazing things. As the Son of God, He could feed 5,000 without even working up a sweat. But as the Son of Man... He became hungry, didn't he? As the Son of God, he could do all these miraculous things and feed many, many people, but as the Son of Man, he became hungry. Why? So that he could say to you and to me, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall no longer hunger. As the Son of God, he, he turned water into wine. But as the Son of Man, he was thirsty. Why? So that he could say to you, whoever thirst, let them come to me and drink. Because the water that I will give, the water that I have to offer, will become a well of water springing up in you that brings eternal life. As the Son of God, He spoke the world into existence. <laughs> As the Son of God, He spoke you and I into existence. But as the Son of Man, He grew weary and tired. Why? So that he could say to you, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. As the Son of God, he sat on a throne in a palace of glory. But as the Son of Man, he was born in a stable. He grew up in poverty. He had no place to lay his head. Why? So that he could promise you 
an inheritance that can never be taken away from you. And even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty you and I could inherit and receive the riches of his kingdom. Folks, he took the stable so that you and I could live in a mansion. At his first coming, he may have been born in a stable. But his second coming, he's riding on the clouds. At his first coming, he was crowned with thorns. His second coming, (laughs) he will be crowned as ruler of the universe. His first coming, he was tortured by the government like a common criminal. His second coming, the government will be upon his shoulders. At his first coming, his enemies said, We will not have this man rule over us. At his second coming, every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord of lords. His name is Lord. His name is Wonderful Counselor. He is Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. His name is Emmanuel, and that means that he is with you. is with you and he's with me and because he lives we too shall live and if you can't get excited about that (laughs) excited that he is with you and we can't celebrate that during this Christmas season then I would say that you don't know him and you don't understand what he has done for you (laughs) and I say this with love but you can't love God until he becomes personal to you And that love for him grows out of seeing this manger, out of seeing that birth, seeing his life, seeing the death, seeing the burial, and the resurrection as something that was done specifically for you. It was done personally for you as an invitation to you that you would receive this free gift from the Savior. All of this was for you. All of this was for me. And if you've never uh, accepted that and accepted Him as Lord and Savior of your life, I encourage you to do that today. I I encourage you to to do that. If you don't know how to do that, find me following the service or someone from our staff or someone that you trust that you know is a follower of Jesus. And you get that taken care of because He did what He did. He sent His Son, Jesus, for you. It was a personal invitation to you to be in relationship with Him. And without Him being at the center of your life, it all falls apart. He's the one who holds it all together. He is the one who gave it all so that you could have it all. 
believing that what God did in history becomes something that you believe that He did for you today. God is with you. This Christmas, we have a lot to celebrate, folks. And we're going to celebrate. And I make no apologies for it. If you don't like to celebrate Christmas, just move on down the road. You'll find a church that will agree with you. But my prayer is that we celebrate the love of God that has influenced us greatly, changed us, transformed us, and made us new creatures in Christ. And we should celebrate that. Not just that, but not just on Sundays, but every day that we would celebrate a Savior. We would celebrate the love of Christ. And speaking of celebrations, as we close this morning, we're going to celebrate with a family.